theyeshiva.net. So, my dearest friends, we're thrilled to have everybody here, and we're going to continue the mimer that we began. I hope everybody had a chance. If you didn't have a chance, try to review the first classes, especially inside the mimer, so you can really internalize it and master it. If you can open up your source sheets, we are uh, on page 832, close to the end of the paragraph, Vihine Yadua. We're already close to the end of the paragraph. And we're going to continue just to announce that Sunday at 12.30 p.m., we're going to have a special Shabbos Hagadol Drasha, or Shabbos Hagadol, this week is Shabbos Hagadol, this week is... Uh, is uh, the Shabbos preparing for Pesach, even though technically next Shabbos is, of course, Erev Pesach. So we're going to have Sunday, a Shabbos, what they, what's being called the Shabbos Hagadol uh, weekday presentation as a preparation for Pesach. That's Sunday, 12.30. It's addressed to the young Israel of Century City in Los Angeles, but everybody is invited. It'll be aired right here on theyeshiva.net. And Monday morning, we will, Be'ezer uh, Hashem, continue the Mimer, uh, 7.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, 9.45, we have a special woman's class, and our topic is, why are people so anxious during the Seder night? You know that it's a very powerful moment of anxiety for many of us. And how do we fix it? How do we repair it? So that's going to be Tuesday morning, 9.45, right here on the yeshiva.net. We're going to be learning an incredible teaching of the Baal Shem Tov about the anxiety during Seder night. I don't know if you know, but the Baal Shem Tov addressed this exact reality. It's supposed to be the night of freedom. <laughs> You'll forgive me, I don't mean to laugh, but it's sometimes the night of anxiety. <laughs> The mara, the charaises, the karpas, the are not by you, but by some people. Especially, especially, you know, there's all the details, you know, the reclining. The reclining is not easy. It's supposed to be about freedom. Some people have a very hard time. So we're going to try to address that, at least touch on the subject somewhat. That's going to be Tuesday morning, 945. Okay, uh, what? A lot of expectations, yeah, a lot of expectations. Tremendous expectations, which often creates tremendous disappointment and uh, guilt and a lot of other things that are triggered. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, knowing myself a little bit, at least knowing the fact that if I start repeating the previous classes, I'm going to remain in repetition mode. I'm not going to repeat the previous classes. <clears throat> I'm not even going to give a brief summary, because a brief summary, as we know, can take three hours. Because really, summaries always trigger you know, new ideas and how we say it and how we articulate it, etc. All I'm going to do is give what's called the three-sentence summary. And let's see if I can really do it in three sentences, or that too will be a, a deceptive introduction. But... The key issue that we learned in the previous two classes of this Maimer of the Balatanya Sheshes Yama was that there is the emuna, there is the appreciation of the divine as being the consciousness of the universe, the engine 
of existence, the battery, the soul of reality. This is emuna even for the non-Jew. This is the real emuna of Hasidi Umas of good people. This is the universal inheritance to be able to be in touch with the spirituality of the body, the spirituality of the brain, the spirituality of the universe, the spirituality of every atom, of every electron, of every nucleus, nuclear, with every element of the atom from the nucleus, the nucleus of the atom and all of its other components, every cell, the micro and the macro, to appreciate that essentially it is an articulation, a manifestation of the ayin of elikus, the no-thingness of divine infinity. That's the universal amuna. In fact, he says, it doesn't even technically deserve the word amuna. Amuna means faith. Yes, we call it amuna, and I explained why we call it amuna, but he says, really, that's not what amuna means. Because this is not something that you need to believe. Yeah, I have to overcome my intuitive experience of life. I have to overcome biases. I have to overcome laziness. I have to overcome my instincts that may gravitate in different directions. I have to overcome indoctrination. I have to overcome cynicism. (laughs) Now, those are hard things to overcome. I often have to be able to identify traumas, triggers that will take me away from this. That's true, he says. If my, your eyes are closed, you have to open up the eyes. I could be blind, but still that's not called a muna. If I'm closing my eyes, I'm not going to see the mountain in front of me. But nobody's going to say you have to believe that there is a mountain. You have to open your eyes and you'll see that there's a mountain. There's something called opening your mind's eye. Opening the eyes of your eyes. Seeing, seeing. Helen Keller once said, You see how my summaries go. (laughs) Helen Keller once said, the only thing that's worse than not having eyesight is lacking vision. What do you say about that? Anybody? What's shahakal niyabidwari? Back to my blessing. Shakal Nebedwari means that everything is really the Dvar Hashem. Hakoil, everything, it's good to understand the blessing. Hakoil, everything, Nia, Nia is from the word Haya, Hayai. It is. Nia, it came into being and it continues to be Bidvarah from his word. Three words that capture all of science, all of physics, all of mathematics all of astronomy, all of cosmology, all of astrophysics, all of geology, all of geography, all of biology, and all other branches of wisdom. Essentially, it's a study of Dvaroi, of Dvar Hashem. That's what it is. I once shared with you something I heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He said, it says in Pirkei Somebody who says something in the name 
of the one who said it, if I paraphrase, I quote something, and I identify the name of the one who said it originally, you bring redemption to the world. This is chapter 6 of the Ethics of the Fathers. And the proof is from the book of Esther. It says that Esther told the king about the assassination attempt of Bixen and Seresh. She said in the name of Mordechai. And what happens? It took years. But years later, as a result, redemption came to the world. Because when Ahasuerus, the Persian emperor, the Persian monarch was suffering from amnesia, could not sleep. <laughs> he opened up the journal of the, di- the diary of the kings of the of the the journal that recorded that chronicled the divrei hayamim of the king, and he discovers what Mardachai did to him. The Lubavitcher Rebbe explained it on a deeper spiritual metaphysical level. He says, Whoever says a thing in the name of a tzayr, meaning, if you can identify in every dover, in everything in life, you can identify the one who said it. Who's the one who said it? Every morning we say, Baruch Sha'omar, Baruch Oimer The shame Oimer is, the one who was oimerit, if I can see in everything, the koya chapoyel benifal, kol dover. when you say something, not just a word, dover means a word, dover means a thing, in everything I can identify, I can trace it back, not only to the molecular structure, not only to the atomic structure, not only to the cellular structure, not only to the genetic structure, which is good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. But I can trace it further back to the spiritual, vivifying, divine, animating energy at the core of it all. I could see not only the physical DNA, but the divine DNA of the universe and of the person and of every single creature. Mevi I redeem the world. Oilam comes from the world, from the Oilam world comes from the word helam. That's what the Gemara says in Psachim Dafnon. Helam means concealment. Zeshmi la'olam, zeshmi la'olam, halimehu. The word oilam means concealment. Why? Because the definition of existence is that divine infinity is concealed, as the Balatanya always discusses in the Maimarim. Maybe Gaula I redeem the world from its concealment. I make the world a more transparent place. Before I began the shear, I was eavesdropping on a Zoom conversation that was taking place between <coughs> two of the uh, great pillars of our cl- morning class. And <coughs> they were discussing how often a lot of information is eclipsed. Because we live in a world of concealment. We live in a world of indoctrination. We live in a world of al-Madashikra, a world of lies. The lies of the world is not just political lies or media bias. That, of course. The lie of the world is deeper than that. The lie of the world is existence. The story of existence itself covers up. Our brains already don't tell the full story of who we are. And because of that, every day, excuse me, I need to redeem my own world. I need to emancipate myself from the shackles I may be stuck in. The Altar Rebbe says that's what davening is. 
the first part of davening is constantly bringing everything back to Shem Oimrei. Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya'il, that's davening. Why daily? We explained. Because this is a daily battle for truth, for transcendence, for oneness. It's a daily battle for calmness, for serenity, for tranquility. It's a daily attempt to create a ladder that is etched on the ground, but its top teaches, reach its top reaches and teaches, reaches heaven, heaven inside of you. It's a daily, daily goal and ambition to be able to align my posture with the true height, height of my identity. That's the davening. Take a look at Pesukah de Zimra. Hanoisin summer. You could look at snow. We had Baruch Hashem snow till a little while ago. I see the sun already melted most of the snow in front of my house. But for weeks we had piles and piles of snow. And it was coming down, just a few weeks ago, it was coming down on a daily basis. It was amazing. For those poor Floridians and Californians, West Coasters and Jerusalemites, I'm sorry that you can't share with the joy of our kids who see the snow coming down in the morning and like, yay, no school. (laughs) And some adults like it too, the child within us. You could look at snow and you could marvel, it's beautiful. But in Sukkot Zimmer, we discuss snow from a divine perspective. Just as we discuss rain and we discuss birds and we discuss reptiles and we discuss insects and we discuss domesticated animals and undomesticated animals. And we discuss vapor and we discuss, we discuss mountains and hills. I'm talking about the Hallelujahs. We're not just praising God to be able to say God is big, God is great, God is... We're trying to be able to appreciate what's the life, we're, which world we're living in, as explained at length. So do you need to cleanse your vision? Absolutely. But essentially, he says, this is not yet a muna. Now we come to stage two. Va'amnam. The line begins, I told you, page 832. If you didn't open your source sheets or download it or print it out, please do it now. You can get the source sheet on theyeshiva.net on the class for today, class Friday, Chassidus Friday, Friday class, which is right there on top of the homepage. And uh, over there you'll see source sheets. You have source sheets on top of the video, which you could just view on the screen. You could enlarge it, or you go to download, and then you can actually download it as a document in your computer and have it stored in your computer or print it as you wish. So on page 832, there's a paragraph that starts, You see the second paragraph on the page. We are close to the end of the paragraph. On the second column of page 832, the line starts um, The line starts with the word Ha'olam Ukiyadua. V'zeo Barsham Ravahaya Ha'olam Ukiyadua. Mamash, smack in the middle of the page. Column 2. V'amnam. V'amnam. Amnam means however. Huh? Footnote 29. Which number? 29. Line number 29 from the top. Rabbi Litzman. Footnote, footnote 29. Footnote 29. Oh, 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 oh. Footnote 29. Very good. Very good. Yeah. There's a footnote 29 after the word Kiyadua. Right. That's where we're holding. If you're already reading footnote 30, you're ahead. Ahead. For Amnam, however, Amnam means however. For Amnam, Shema Yisra, Chuli, Madrega Gavoya Harbe, Mikola Shmachem Shabbat in davening, we now come to the next stage. And the next stage is personified primarily when we reach that Pasuk. 
that section called Shema, till we reach Shema, the blessings before Shema, and the Pesukah de Zimra all relate primarily to the Kaya Chapayel Benifel, to the divine reality as the engine, as the consciousness of the universe. But then there is the Mitzvah Sayichud. Mitzvah Sayichud means the Mitzvah of oneness, of identifying oneness, which comes during Kriyashma. What's the Mitzvah? The Mitzvah is a Mitzvah to reach Shema twice a day. And we do it usually during Shacharis and during Mairif. If you daven in Shacharis a little later, you have to be careful to say Shema before you daven. The, the end of Zman, the end of Zman Krishma is an hour before the end of Zman Tvila. Right. If you daven in Mairif early, some people daven Mairif earlier, you have before sunset, you have to say Kriyashma later, because Krishna you have to say morning and at night. What is the mitzvah of Krishna? It's called mitzvah sayichud. The mitzvah to unify him. To declare God's oneness. So he says this is a deeper state. Which means in English a much deeper state of consciousness. Madrega literally means a step. It means gavoya is higher. Harbe means much higher. A lot higher. So this is a deeper step going into the soul, we're not talking here about steps, Madrigas physically, you're going on to a higher step, but spiritually, there is a ladder. The Zohar says that the ladder of Yaakov is davening. There are different rungs in the ladder. So there's a one step, and then there's Madrega Gavoya, a higher step, and a significantly deeper step, which is a deeper state in human consciousness, much deeper even than all of the praises that were said earlier during davening. And all of the praises till now were a preparation for Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. What does this mean? Ki hidei in in Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad hubchines hasagas mohusei vatzmusi yizbarach. Let's read his words. Even if you're not going to understand everything he's saying, but it's important to read the words, it's important to get familiar with the words and the terminology. And then when you'll hear the explanation, Be'ezir Hashem, at least somewhat of the explanation, in the future when you come across these words, you'll be able already to apply them and understand them at least a little better. The words Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Achad, this is already a hasaga, a grasp, an intuition of Mohusei Vatzmusei Yisbarach, of his core and essence, not just of his words, but of his essence. Where the intuition or the comprehension of the activating power of God within every created being, Hashem, as the energy and the consciousness of every creating being, this is only Hasagas Mitziusay. Hasagas Mitziusay means it's only a grasp of the manifestation of his reality, the way it's expressed in creation. I'll explain. That's why after Shema Yisrael we say those powerful words, You should love Hashem, your God. What do you mean, your God? Everybody's God. God is not my God. He's also my God. So the Alter Rebbe says, It's the Alekecha that's unique 
to the experience of the divine soul. Every person has a soul. Every person has a soul. When people say only Jews have a soul, that's not true. Every person has a soul. It says in Taisvis, it's a clear Taisvis. Every person has an Hashem, every person has a soul. There was a Jew, he was a professor of solar energy. Uh, he's a Harvard graduate, a PhD of Harvard. His name was Dr. Jacob Hanukkah. Dr. Yaakov Hanukkah. Of blessed memory, he passed away a few years ago. So he told me, I think it was Dr. Jacob Hanukkah, maybe another Harvard graduate, whose name was Dr. Yitzchak Block. I don't remember. They were both professors. So I don't remember who told me this story. But one of them told me, I have to look it up, I have it written somewhere. Many years ago he told me, that in 1960, and I think it was March, other 1960, he brought a group of secular Jewish students, a very large group of secular Jewish students, studying in university, to visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe. This is 1960. And they were there, they were there for a long time, and it was basically questions and answers. They posed to the Rebbe many, many questions, and the Rebbe answered. At the end... This professor tells me one of the students said that on Shabbos, on Saturday, I asked Dr. Dr. Hanukkah, Dr. Block, I asked him if non-Jews have a soul. And he said, no. Is that true? So this professor told me the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, no, it's not true. <laughs> he said it was not easy sitting in the room hearing this Basically, the Rebbe was arguing with him. He says, not true. He says, they have a different type of soul. Every person has a soul. They have their own unique soul. Jews have their type of soul. An important idea, because this is what we see in this mimer. And the truth is, not only every human being has a soul, every animal has a soul. Not only that, every rock has a soul. Today we know, scientifically, that even that which we call inorganic and lifeless is alive. Just look what's happening on an atomic level. The dynamism, the dynamics, the movement, and the harmony, the synchronization, it's lebedic, it's alive, it's vibrant. You can't compare it to the life of a tree or an animal because it's not conspicuous to the naked eye. We need more subtle instruments, but everything is alive. On a deeper level, Darizal writes, I don't know if you know this, Darizal writes, that even in a grain of sand, there is a nefesh, there's a soul. And it's quoted in Tanya, in the second section, Shar HaYichud Vemun of the Portal of Unity and Faith in chapter 1, in the name of Darizal. And Darizal, now Tanya explains what Darizal means. Darizal means the divine letters of the ten utterances that give it existence. That's a soul. What does a soul mean? If not, it's, it's divine purpose and divine functionality and divine energy that ultimately constitutes its underlying spiritual chemistry and the entire physical chemistry is a manifestation and an articulation of the spiritual energy which is articulated in a way that can be relatable to the human eye. Or as we often speak about, consciousness is not a derivative of matter. Matter is a derivative of consciousness. You remember that? Anybody remembers that? So, everything has a soul. Everything, certainly a human being, is B'Tselem Alakim in the image of God. There's a unique soul over there. 
That's every single person. And that's why the Alter Rebbe said before, even Chassidei Yom a good non-Jew, every person, is rela- can experience the Kaya Chapayel Ben Nifl, which is the soul of the universe. But what did he say in the beginning of the paragraph? He said those words, ah, those five words, if one is only moved by Yeshmei Ayin, by the fact that the world is something from nothing, and that nothing is really no thingness, it's not for this that the Nefesh HaLikis was humbled and descended into this world. One of our students, one of our very uh, respectable and assiduous and committed students, sent me a, a, a message yesterday after learning those words, he writes to me, or he said to me, when I, when I read these words, I am compelled to go into the wilderness, to go into a desert, and sit there for days and weep from profound emotion. That Alter Rebbe says, not for this did the Nefesh Elikis come into the world. He's explaining what a Jew is. To be able to be toifus, you have to be a good goy. You have to be a good non-Jew. And there are many like that. That's what he says. Chassidim, many good people who, are, who understand it, who are moved by it, and who even live by it. Incredible. If you look in footnote 23, there is a, there's, this mimer was written by different writers who heard the mimer. The mimer is from Tovkov Samach Dalet, which is 1804, Shri Shal Pesach. But there were different writers who wrote it. So there's sometimes different, you know, variances. So he brings in 23 in one of the manuscripts. It's of the Mittler Rebbe. He says, There are many. And many non-Jews who are called pious people. And remember, this is in the 18th, this is the early 19th century, 1804, in Tsarist Russia, which was saturated with anti-Semitism. Saturated. It's not the discussion of today's class, but it was not, not an easy time for Jews. I mean, I don't know when was easy, but certainly, uh, if you know Russia during the Tsar, it was not easy for the Jewish people. Now, Terebbe himself was a, a, a frequent victim of this anti-Semitism. Personally, he was arrested more than once, arrested twice, both serious accusations by the Tsarist government. But nonetheless, they acknowledge that there are many Hasidim asylum. And we know that even during the worst times in history, right, we have these Hasidim asylum, special people, who are who are who are good people? Mention real mention, and some of them to a heroic and very significant degree. It's extremely moving, and some of us have people that we know who are Hasidim Asylum, very very special, and good people. And here we have a description of them. It says the Alter Rebbe, Loyalizayis Not for this did the Nefesh Alikis come down. That's not what the Nefesh is for. For this, you have to be a good Gentile. So I wrote to this person back. I wrote, 
I'm going to paraphrase the Alter Rebbe and say, the Nefesh Alakis didn't come down for you to go to a desert and cry for a few days. The Nefesh Alakis came down to reveal this oneness on earth. To reveal this Achdus Baruch Shema Yisrael Hashem Alakeinu Hashem Echad. Vahaftas Hashem Alakecha is already referring to stage two. Love Hashem, your God. Why yours? Hashem is everybody's God. This is Delikus, Delikecha, as he says in this Maimah HaMeyuchad Lenefesh HaLekiz Bilvat, back to the text, which is designated for the Nefesh HaLekiz, for the godly soul. It's not something I can expect or I can even demand or want from somebody who doesn't have this state of sensitivity, this level of sensitivity. I can't. Is pretty big, guys. Don't take it. You know, the Alter Rebbe jumps from one place to another place, and you forget that the first level is, is awesome. But it's not, it's not what the Nefesh Elikis is capable of. It's not its ultimate calling. Then there is Vahaftas Hashem Elikecha. I want you to appreciate, I want you to connect to Elikecha. The level of elikus, the Hashem elikecha, your, your God, that which the nefesh elikis could be typhus, could be intuitive about, can grasp. This is what a muna is. The first state of consciousness, we call it a muna, but it's not really a muna. It's, it's seeing, it's vision, it's understanding. Don't be intellectually lazy or indoctrinated. Be open to truth. You'll get there. This emuna, the state, the second to peace, this is what we call emuna. And this is the emuna shenesiachada. It's been designated. Not in a form of, oh, I have it, you don't have it. No, he's not talking about that. It's talking about an organic experience that the divine soul within the Jew, which is a chelik, elikami, mal mamish, naturally can grasp, can be intuitive of. It has the eyes to be able to perceive reality on that level. That's it. There is perceiving reality based on our vision. Everyone defines reality based on their experience of reality. We have access to reality through the tools that we employ, as we often talk about. I see something, what am I seeing? It's the way the cones in my retina absorb the frequencies of light that through the various nerves get passed on to the brain, which now interprets what I'm seeing based on my neurological structure and that particular region of the brain that is responsible for interpreting the light frequencies that have been absorbed and passed on through the retina. And then the brain presents me with a picture of what I saw. And we say, I saw the picture. I saw based on what I could see. That's why there are colors that I can't see. You guys understood what I just said, yeah. And the same is true with the other senses. Same is true with hearing. Same is true with smell. Same is true with every other sense. There's certain colors I cannot see. Birds could see. There's certain sounds I can't hear. Not because they don't exist. Because I don't have the kalim to be able to grasp that dimension of reality. That's it. There's certain things my eyes can't see. 
I can't see atoms. I can't see electrons. I can't even see molecules. Why not? Not because they don't exist. But because the structure of my eye is not made in a way that it can absorb, it can make sense of this reality. It can even know that it can't even detect it. My eye turns everything into solids because I can't deal with the tiny, uh, the, 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 the smallness of the atom. I can't. My eye cannot grasp it. So we just put everything together and we have a, a table. It's very interesting how it works. It's really unbelievable. So what, what's reality? And the answer is, reality is a very complex word. <laughs> Your reality is not my reality. We live in the same we live in the same house, sit at the same table, eat the same food, but we're living in different realities. That humility, that sensitivity, is the key of spiritual growth. It's the key to transformation, always. So the Alter Rebbe says here, what, what reality are we living in? There is the external superficial reality that is devoid of understanding the spirituality of the universe. Then there is what we, what's usually called conventionally a munah, which he says here is not really a munah, and that's the kayach apel benifel. And that's the first section of davening. And then there is shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, and this is a Muna, and this is Vahafsa Hashem Alekecha, that the divine soul, because it's a Chelek Alekamimal, intuitively can grasp a different dimension of God's reality. Not just his Dibur, but his Atmos. Not just that which is manifested and articulated in creation, but the core of Hashem himself. What is this? This is an amuna. This is absorbing, being sensitive, grasping in that which we call not mamalikalalman, but saivav kalalman. Well, let's remember the difference of the terms. I hope by now you know the difference. Memalek Kalalman is what? It's an expression of Zohar. The Zohar says, Ihu Memalek Kalalman, V'ihu Seviv Kalalman. In the Alter Rebbe's Maimarim, in the Alter Rebbe's discourses, these two terms occupy a very significant role, and he's often alluding to them, because they're really the backbone of understanding existence and understanding Yiddishkeit. And as much as he talks about Mamali and Soiviv, we always long for another few words, another few, another few words, explaining, articulating what it is. You have to understand when the Alter Rebbe spoke about Mamale, he was, he was embodying Mamale. And he was talking about Soiviv. It wasn't words, it was an experiential Soiviv Kalam. It was experiencing Soiviv Kalam. People often don't understand this. It's not just intellectual data. It was experiential. Everything is experiential by the Alter Rebbe. You know that during my martyrdom, he'd often roll on the ground. He would roll and roll and roll. You know that. I told you a few times. He would get it very often. It's written down by many of the chassid, by many of the records we have. You know, they used to write every Chabad. They wrote everything. Not everything, but a lot. He would start. He's in the middle of a mimer, And in the middle, the ecstasy would overtake him. And he could fall to the ground and just start rolling on the ground throughout the whole shul, the whole base medrash. I mean, imagine, here you're talking about one of the most organized thinkers in Jewish history. 
Okay, somebody on the level of the Rambam in terms of organization. If nobody knows the, the Alter Rebbe's works, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Rekachava used to say the Rambam knew how to learn and the Alter Rebbe knew how to learn. One of the most organized thinkers, they called him a Litvak for a reason. He was the quintessential uh, analytical mind. But when he, when he taught Chesidus, the experiential component of it was so powerful, he went into a, a complete, complete state of absolute divine ecstasy and he would start rolling on the ground to the point that he would bump into the walls and the walls were made of concrete and he could begin bleeding. And that's why, I don't know if you know, but they cushioned all the walls in the shul of the Alter Rebbe in Liyajna, the city, the town of Liyajna in Belarus, so that when he would bump, his head would bump into the walls, he would not get wounded, he would not bleed. And one of his great chayzerim, most people would stand, I guess, in awe, but one of the people who reviewed the Maimarim and transcribed them, his name was Repinchis Reuses, he would roll after the Alter Rebbe because he wanted to hear every word. Because it was very hard to hear when he was wrong. He would roll after him. He wanted to get every nuance. And he would transcribe verbatim what the Alter Rebbe said. And sometimes, I saw one, sometimes you'll see he writes three dots or he's missing a few words and he wouldn't fill them in. Why? The Alter Rebbe gave a turn. <laughs> or the Alter Rebbe's words could not be heard by him when he was rolling and therefore he didn't fill them in on his own. He left the mimer blank. He was extremely meticulous to preserve the language of the Alter Rebbe. He was one of the writers of the Maimarim. Repinchas Reises. There's a sefer called Maimari Admur Hazaken Hanachos Harav Pinchas. The transcripts of Repinchas. So, when he's talking here about Saiv of Kalalman, he's not just talking words. He's talking the experience of it. Very different. Very different. Mamala Kalalman is the way the divine fills the world. What does it mean it fills the world? It's expressed and manifested through the reality we call the universe. What's Saiv of Kalalman? Saiv of Kalalman is that which transcends the universe. In other words, it's the divine core vis-a-vis itself. That's a Muna. Emunah is a relationship with Saiv of Kalalman, with that which transcends the world, which is beyond, way above and beyond. Lamai, lamai, let's say lamai, lamai, which means above, above. It's above even being above. Because above is above. You know, you're on top. This is lamai, lamai, From the definitions of Ishtalshlus, which means the evolution of energy. The divine energy that evolves and is articulated and descends and is condensed. It's beyond hashpah. Listen to all these words. It's the energy that's beyond hashpah. It's beyond that which flows. Hashpah is from the word shefa. Shifa smaim, a flow of water. It's beyond hispashtus. It's beyond emanation. That which expands. That which extends. Like the rays of the sun extend from the sun and reach into our homes and our communities, our environments. It's beyond giluyar. It's beyond that which can be defined as the revelation of the divine light, which all is captured by that one word, Baruch Sha'omar. He spoke the world. And what is Dibur? Dibur is a certain manifestation and articulation of a person's internal energy. That's all Memale Kalalmin. Emunah is Saiv of Kalalmin. He says, to believe, what does it mean to believe? To believe means to be able to open yourself up to a relationship 
with atzmus umohus shel oirin seif parachu, with the essence and the core of the ein seif himself, beyond memale, beyond gilui, beyond the shtalshlus, beyond hashpa, beyond his pashtus, beyond oir, ukemoshel atzmus umohus haadam. It's like having a relationship. It's unbelievable words with the essence of a person. It's completely and infinitely beyond that dimension of a person that can be articulated verbally. Yes, you can have a relationship with my words, but do you have a relationship with me? The me that is wordless, nameless, which can't be expressed in words. In fact, it can't be expressed. It's not expressed and manifested through my words. Can you have a relationship with me? Atzmus umohusa adam. Ulatzmusa umohusa yizbarich. And when you're talking about the essence, ein lo'umus ha'olam chelaklal. This is not something that the nations of the world detect. They have a part in. Not people. People can often take this wrong. Not because anybody is bad or good. It's based on on. Simply the antennas that you have. Not because anybody is not good, because creation is a product of divine words. How am I supposed to grasp through creation the essence which is beyond, beyond God as a creator? How could I? The Jewish soul is a chelik mamish, like it says in Tanya. Like he says, in one of the manuscripts of the Tzamech Tzaddik, of this Maimri, he says in 32, he changed the words here, which is a quote from a Pasuk in Parshish HaAzinu, which the Alter Rebbe interprets to mean that Amay, his people, is a Chelek Havaya. It's, it's, it's part of Hashem. If it's part of Hashem, it has a sensitivity to Atzmos, to the essence which is beyond earth. And the Alter Rebbe continues, and this is the meaning of the words, the opening of Aser Sadibris, I am your God. I am your God. Again, if you know who I am, then I don't have to introduce myself. And if you don't know who I am, where is it going to help me that I tell you I am your God? You know me or you don't know me? I, this I, you see, I say I, let me tell you my name. My name is Yosef Yitzchuk Jacobson. Okay, you're seeing me. What's, what's this mean? This is me. Let me give you a name. Hashem Alekech. What is Hashem really saying? And again, why your God? Back to that question. Why your God? Everybody's God. Pirush means as follows. Anoichi is I. Anoichi Misha Anoichi. I am who I am. I have no name. Because any name that I give you won't capture I. The I is captured by Anoichi. It completely transcends any form of that which emanates and is articulated in a way that can be perceived by creation. We're not talking here the rays of the sun. We're talking here the solar core as a metaphor. We're not talking here words. We're talking essence. This can't be grasped by the comprehension 
or the sensitivity or the knowledge of any created being and even the Netzalim. Netzalim means even those beings that live in the what's called the world of Atsilas that emanate from the divine light, they can appreciate the divine energy which is like the ray of the sun that comes from the sun, which is also infinite. As he said earlier in the Maimur, it's also infinite. Hashem's Dibur, because it's a ray that comes from infinity, the ray is also infinite. But that is, that, that's what they can experience, the way God articulates himself into becoming the consciousness of the universe. And that consciousness itself is grand, is amazing, but that's all his words. What are words? Words are the way you articulate your inner emotions, your inner experiences in ways that can be communicated to those outside of you. You concretize your energy in a way that can be perceived, grasped, and absorbed. In that itself, there's infinite levels. How deep the speech is, how much it's revealing from you. Right? People can give different types of speeches. But then there's anoichi. Anoichi is I. That's why the expression in Zoyar is Anoichi Misha Anoichi. I am who I am. Meaning, I'm not going to tell you who I am. Not because I don't want to, because I can't. Because the moment I put into words who I am, it's not who I am. It's the way the I is being filtered and condensed through filters. It's who I am. Beyond das, beyond hasaga. If you're going to articulate it through your brain, those are already receptacles that contain it and define it. As the Pasuk says in Tehillim, He places darkness as his hiding place. What does it mean? Darkness is his hiding place. What's it mean? God's hiding place is darkness. Yashas Cheshach Sistri means there's something called Helem Ha'atzmus. Helem Ha'atzmus is the concealment of the core. The core itself is beyond revelation because any, any articulation of it is already the way it's being perceived and grasped by the other. It's beyond articulation. It's pure, it's the pure energy that can't be articulated by anything. Because it's absolute infinity. Even the word infinity is already a certain structure. But we have words. We use, we talk about it in words. So this is called Helama Atzmis. That's Anoichi. I. I. Kecha. This is your God. This is the relationship you're capable of. This is the gift that's happening now. Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. You know who you have a relationship with? Anoichi. You can be in touch with your own deepest essence. You can be in touch with my deepest essence. That's who you are. That's your God. This is not a, this is not a warning. It's not a punishment. It's, it's not even a reward. It's stating the true reality of your soul. You're a chelik kami mal. Your God, your inner consciousness is in touch with anoichi, with the core and the source of everything. That's who you are. It's, it's a statement of reality. This is what it means living up to your Jewish identity. Being in touch with the Anoichi. That is Elekecha. Ki beknesses Yisrael bilvad hu shenishpal v'yared liyas mishkanei behem bahalbashev etzimtzum. This is the unique state of Knesset Israel. This is what it means to be a Jew. What does it mean to be a Jew? What it means to be a Jew is that Anoichi is Hashem Elekecha. 
the appreciation of Hashem as Kayach HaPoyal Benifel, this is universal. This belongs to every person. Anoichi, that's Hashem Alekecha. What it means to be a Jew is that the Anoichi is Alekecha. That's who you are. The core essence is in a relationship with you. You are part of me, beyond my speech, beyond my emanations, beyond Memalekalalman, beyond beyond the condensed energy that is articulated and flows through the cosmos, even through the spiritual cosmos, even through the higher spiritual worlds and universes. All of them are hispashtos, gilui, hishtalshalos, hashpa. I'm using the words of the Rebbe, of the Alter Rebbe. But anoichi is nishpal, uh, so to speak, humbled itself to descend, to dwell in you, inside of you. That's what he says before, What's the nefesh alikis? You say a Jew has a nefesh alikis. Everything has a, has, a, has a divine soul in it, and that's true. But we say a nefesh alikis, a chelik alikamimal. The anoichi becomes alikacha. That, that's what it means to be a Jew. And that's why the nations of the world, consciously or unconsciously, sense something about the Jewish people that is not worldly. They live in the world. They're citizens of the world, but they're not citizens of the world. They feel there's an otherness. Now, sometimes it's misinterpreted as aloofness, as arrogant, as pompous, as thinking you're better than everybody. But that's not what it is. It's actually more humble, <laughs> more humbling. I'm, but some people interpret it that way. What are they sensing? They're sensing an otherworldliness. Because in the Jewish soul, in the Jewish consciousness, lay and dwell anoichi. The anoichi somehow is part of you. V'zehu, now come back to that posik. You have been shown something. You could perceive something that is not part of the antennas of other peoples or of the universe. Not because they're not good, but because they're creations. And a creation can grasp its creator based on the tools it has to grasp its creator and based on the creator that is manifested through creation because that's what they have to grasp. They see God as the ultimate artist through his artwork. So they know about God, the artist, or the historian, the found, the author of history, or the writer, or the engineer, or the sculpturer, or the ultimate physicist. Yeah, from the world you could see what an engineer Hashem is. That's not his essence. That's his engineering skill. And even his engineering skills are limited and condensed to be able to create a finite universe. It's impressive. It's amazing. And it creates a unity in the world because it's all kaya chapal benifel. But anoichi Hashem alekecha something else. Anoichi Hashem alekecha is anoichi is alekecha. Ata haresaladas, you have been shown something. And what does it mean? You have been shown it. This is something that you pick up. This is your reality. I can deny it. I can try to deny it. I could say it's not me. But this is what a Jew is. 
Ata haresa ladas ki havaya hua lekin ein oid milvadoi. What does this mean? Ata haresa ladas. You have been shown ki havaya. There's havaya and there's alekim. Yutke vafke is soiv of kalalman. Alekim is mamalek kalalman. So he says ki havaya. You have been shown that havaya shu soiv of kalalman. Havaya, which represents haya haiva viyi, was he is and he will be, which transcends the worlds. Who, next page, who elikim? That is elikim. Kaya chapoyel benifal. When you look at elikim, you say, Hashem, who elikim? You know what elikim is? Elikim is not separate from Hashem. Elikim is Hashem. Havaya Hashem, who elikim? In other words, when you look at kaya chapoyel benifal, at the energy of creation, you're not just seeing elikim. You were showing that Hashem is Elikim. There's no separation. They're completely one. Hashem is not only Elikim. Like the sensitivity of the nations of the world. The Gemara says at the end of Menachah, they call Hashem the God of the gods. What does it mean, the God of the gods? You don't see that Elikim is one with Hashem. The Karulei Elikad Elikayich. They're identifying Hashem as Elikim. In other words, God is the source of creation, which is big, which is amazing. He's Elikah. He's the ultimate God. He's the source of everything. He's the core of everything. But Atar Eisaladas, you have shown, Ki Hashem Elikim. There's no Elikim that's separate. Hashem and Elikim are completely one. The condensed energy that flows through existence, the DNA of, 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 of the world, the chemistry of my body, of my brain, of my soul, and of everything I encounter, which is Elikim, what is it? It's Havaya, it's Sev of Kalalman. Your antennas pick up not only the words, but the essence. Ooh, now we'll understand the answer to our question. The question of the Ebenezer, question of the Kuzari. Why didn't Hashem identify Himself with something much greater? I am God who created heaven and earth. You understand the answer? If Hashem would have said, I'm the one who created heaven and earth, it would not be the message he's trying to say. Creation of heaven and earth is amazing. There's nothing as amazing as it. But what is it? It's a manifestation of God's speech. It's the divine words. The keloi chash of But that is completely subsumed, and it doesn't have separate significance in the presence of the core of Hashem. The angel and therefore, even though for us it's stupendous, but for the essence, it's not a pella, it's not, it's, not, it's not a wonder. That's what he started the whole explanation. That when you talk about Hashem's core, one word, or even a few words or many words, it's just a very filtered, condensed manifestation of energy. It's like describing the whole sun by a ray by one ray, or describing the Atlantic Ocean by one cup of water that you take from the Atlantic. The cup of water is amazing, but that doesn't capture the Atlantic. You say, well, look at the Atlantic Ocean. That's not the Atlantic. So I created heaven and earth. Wow, it's amazing. What is it? It's a cup from the Atlantic. One cup. That's not what Hashem is saying. 
What I'm trying to tell you is that Anoichid is I, beyond creation, beyond that which is represented in creation and expressed in creation. And he took you out of Egypt. What is Egypt? From the ten crowns of Noiga. Noiga is explained in Kabbalah as a shell. Klipas Noiga is it's based on a Pasuk in Yecheskel, the first chapter of Ezekiel, the Maisimer cover, the vision. He speaks about Noiga Loisav. He speaks about the fact that there is what's called Noiga. Noiga means a light that shines. Klipas Noiga in Kabbalah is a term, there's a husk, but it's translucent. It allows the light to come through. That's what the world is called. It's basically a husk, but you can perceive the light if you work hard enough. So he says, I have taken you out from the ten crowns, from the ten ways of experiencing life through Noigah. In order to be able to perceive, to detect, to have a Muna. What does it mean to have a Muna? A Muna is not believe because I'm telling you to believe. This is who you are. Your antennas are sensitive to the Atzmus Ein Seif Baruch to the essence of the Eir of Ein Seif. V'dayla Maven, and this will be enough to the person who understands. With the Mittler Rebbe, when he would write the Maimarim of his father, he would often finish a paragraph, V'dayla Maven, it will be enough for the person who understands. This is all the prelude to understand what Matzah is. This is the prelude which is going to allow us to understand what matzah is, as we will see in the continuation of the Maimer. Let me take a few questions. The Rambam says that then it seems they are ultimately able to relate to Soivev, or is this Mamali as well? Oilam Haba is also Mamali Kalalman. Oilam Haba is also Mamali, yeah. Even the highest worlds, even the highest worlds, he says here, even the net salam, that means even Olam Hatzilis, in a way, is, is Mamalikalam. Next. Papa, for the non Jew post Techia Samesim, or is it in the Olam Anashamis? And he says, Zit Shishim. First of all, Olam Haba means the place of Nashamis. And every, as I said, every person has a soul. So Olam Haba is also Mamalikalam. There's a sefer called Avodas HaKodesh by Reb Meir ben Gabi, who's one of the great Kabbalists, and he writes that the resurrection of the dead is going to be also for Chassidim Yomusa'olam. You know that? That's what he says. He says that the resurrection, Tchiyas HaMesim, is also for Chassidim Yomusa'olam, which is amazing. Amazing idea. So according to that, they, they'll have part in Ad Olam Haba as well. The question is always, which part are you capable of perceiving with your antennas? Right? Really, Hashem Hu Alakim. There's no distinction between Ur and Atmos. It's really one, as we will understand a little more. I know that these things, you know, initially they're very abstract. It's going to become clearer. You have to think about it. You have to absorb it. You have to try to understand it to the best of your ability. So really, it's one. The question is, what level of perception am I capable of? You get it? You have been given the gift because you're a chelik alekamimal to know Hashem hu alekim. And that means enoid mulvade. What does it mean enoid mulvade? Huh? Yeah. Before the reading of the Torah, we say atahareis aladas. This is, this is what happens by Matan Torah. And this is, this is a noichi that took you out of Egypt. 
we're not here talking about you know the 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 power of creation. Of course, that was greater in that sense than taking you out of Egypt. God could transform water into blood. Creating water out of nothing is a bigger power than turning water into blood. means to come out of creation. So God is not going to say, I am the God who created you and put you into creation to take you out of creation. <laughs> You understand? I'm the God. I, I define you as a creation. You know why? To take you out of creation. You're contradicting yourself. I'm the God who's not defined only by Elikim. The truth is Hashem or Elikim. And therefore, Enoid Movada. And that's the difference between in the world of Elikim, the world exists. It's a very real world. God's energy is filtered and condensed and limited, becoming the DNA of the universe. The Alter Rebbe still bumped his head. The Alter Rebbe bumped his head. He bumped his head. It's very real. Even though he had a, a perception of Atmos, he still bumped his head. Mm. Yeah, and the, because because the, the, this doesn't mean there's no physical world. It means what what is the world? You could see the world from the perspective of Dibur, and you could see the world from the perspective of Atmos. Not that there's no world. It says, He created heaven and earth. But what is heaven and earth? I can experience heaven and earth from the perspective of heaven and earth. That's Elikim. That's why throughout creation, the name is Elikim. Elikim is Midas Hatzimtzum. Those of you who learned with us the Maimer via Daita Moskva, we learned the Maimer of the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, via Daita Moskva, Tafresh Nun Zion. You learned that Maimer with us? It's very, very kedai to learn that maimer. Yadai to Moskva. You have it on the website, the yeshiva.net. If you go to other Hasidic texts in the section of Torah, you'll see the Rebbe Rashab, Yadai to Moskva. It really opens up the world of Chabad Hasidus, at least one aspect of it. Over there, the main point of the maimer is Hashem and Elikim, the Tzimtzum. So Elikim is the same numer- numerical value as Hateva, nature, the nature, 86. Atlaf Lamed Heyud Mem is 86, like Hateva. That comes from the Pardis. Reb Moshe Kordavira writes this. Elikim is the same number as Hateva. Elikim is also known as Midas Hatzimtzum, which means it's the attribute of condensing, condensing, filtering, restricting. So that's Bereshis Bore Elikim, as Hashemayim Vesaretz. Then is Ataharesaladas Ki Hashem Hu Elikim. And then is Einoid Mulvade. Einoid Mulvade means that the whole world, the Dibur, is subsumed in absolute infinity. So therefore, I don't get stuck in the filters. I don't get stuck in the restricted flow of energy, notwithstanding its infinite grandness. I, I'm not, don't minimize the first level, please, my friends. Okay? Don't cut, don't cut out the first part of Davani till Shema Yisrael. The first part, don't Shema Yisrael. <laughs> I was thinking if I should say the words. It's almost like the Alter Rebbe is saying, Til Shema Yisrael is a Goyish Davening. What's this, the Goyish? It's a Yiddish Davening. But it's the Davening, the level of perception that reply, applies to everybody. Shema Yisrael tells me that all of it is a preparation for Shema Yisrael. It's the stepping stone 
in order to get to Shema Yisrael. V'haftas Hashem alekecha. V'haftas Hashem alekecha. This is already a concept of, this is already a Ned Mulvadai. This is, there's no separateness at all. Even in the first level, there's oneness. But it's a completely different state of consciousness. Next question. You spoke about the blessing, Shahakal Niyabidvare, to remind us to give thanks to the one by whose word everything came into being. Now, you explained that everything came into being through ten utterances. The last one was, There are a certain finite number of molecules in the world. All we really do when we make or fashion anything is to push these already created molecules around. Yesh me yesh. Yeah. You heat up something and you expand the molecules, etc. We push the molecules around. We manipulate them. Hashem made everything yesh meyayin, but then came the human being who he made yesh meyesh. Man was made from pre-existing dust or earth. In that sense, God was the first to do this before we make yesh meyesh. If so, does the application of thanking the one by whose word the thing came into being apply to all of us? The coffee. But not, it applies to everything but not thanking Hashem for a person, because the person is yesh miyesh. Notice, there's an Einstein clip that's going around, where he said that the explanation of the famous E equals MC2 is that all matter can be transformed into energy, all energy can be transformed into matter. The the, the equation shows that all of matter we see and touch came to be transformed from energy, divine energy. Yeah. That is amazing. Einstein taught that matter and energy are interchangeable. If we want to take that on a, to a deeper place, it's not only energy in terms of what science calls energy, but energy in terms of what we're calling energy, which is divine energy. That matter and energy are not different. They look different, but they're not different because ultimately they come from one source. So Einstein was touching on this. Einstein was basically telling us that matter and energy are so different in form, in software, but not in hardware. Because matter and energy really are manifestations of a singularity. Al-Pichsidis, what is he saying? Right? Al-Pichsidis, what is the message here? The message here is that Chaymer and Surah, which is the philosophical word for matter and energy, are really one. Ah! In, 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 in the Rebbe Rayat writes, it's quoted in Hayyim Yom, that there are three branches of, of, of wisdom in Yiddishkeit in terms of ethics. There's Musr, there's Chakira, and there's Chsidis. Musr focuses on the negativity of the Chaymer, of the, of the crass, of the brute, of the material, of the animal in the person, right? If you're familiar well with the books of Musr. Chakira focuses on the beauty of the tzura. The tzura is the energy, the, the transcendent, the spiritual, the higher dimensions. And Chsidis says that the chaymer and tzura are really one. The chaymer and the tzura are really one. He says, Musr negates the chaymer. Chakira focuses on Hagbaras HaTzura al-Hachaymer. 
And Chassidus says, Tzura and Chaimer are really one. Because they both come from the one source, you can't even know what's higher and what's lower, and the ultimate purpose is to fuse it all into infinite oneness. Now, each one is true. Each one is a certain state of consciousness. And it's a stepping stone in order to go deeper into consciousness. Yeah, this is good stuff. Good, very good what you wrote about Einstein. I want to come live onto this class to ask a question. So you have to join, at the moment, you have to join the Zoom. The Zoom, we have, a, we have the class on Zoom. If you sign up to our um, email or WhatsApp, you could, uh, you could get the Zoom link every, more, every night before the shear. So you could sign up and then you can ask your question live. Um, because on YouTube, we don't have that ability at the moment. So uh, you could, if you email info at theyeshiva.net and just ask them to subscribe you to the email or the WhatsApp list, or both, and then you'll get the notices. You said earlier that matter is a derivative of consciousness. Okay, whose consciousness? You're saying Hashem's consciousness. Is that what Max Planck meant? But that's your interpretation. Matter is a derivative of God's consciousness. Oh, if so, this axiom is a statement, if so, Deep comments here. <laughs> you have to know your physics. I have to. Uh, I have to learn my physics here. If so, this axiom is a restatement of Einstein's E equal m c squared two. What does Einstein mean? The m is matter, right? The e is energy, or consciousness. The c two is the speed of light times itself. So Einstein is telling us E equals mc squared 2. In other words, energy equals matter. What is Einstein saying, if not, that energy and matter are one? Matter is a derivative of consciousness. And then the c2 is the speed of light times itself. So what is Einstein saying? He's telling us really that God's energy, light, vivifying force, E, can become matter, m. What happens in creation of all things during creation and continuing uninterrupted till now is that energy became matter. So matter is energy. So of course you can transform matter into energy. And at what speed did he do this transformation from his energy into matter of the world? He did it at the speed of light times itself. Because creation opens up with the words, God said, let there be light. That's the beginning. He heard so Eir is the speed, Eir is the prelude to creation, because that's the speed in which he does this transformation from energy into matter, which means that all matter is energy when you appreciate the speed of light. So Einstein is describing how Hashem created the world, matter from his energy, which is pure, and his light. Like the Alter Rebbe said, Hashem made Ruchnius into Gashmius, so we should make Gashmius into Ruchnius. So God took Ruchnius and he turned it into Gashmius. We see, we touch it, and at what speed he did it. The atomic bomb is just a minuscule reversal of that process. We release the potential power in a single atom into an unbelievable amount of energy. Here is a classic manifestation of taking matter and releasing the energy. The M and the E fuse together. The atom bomb is what? 
it shows you that that single atom is not lifeless or meaningless. It contains enormous amounts of energy. We did so. So what do we did? So what do we do? We unpack the potential energy that exists in a single atom, releasing a huge amount of energy. The potential energy in a single atom unleashed, wiped out. Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, which ended the Pacific War. Imagine how he packed in his infinite energy. Imagine how God packed in his infinite energy into atoms. But it all represents this truth of Hashem, of Koyach HaPoyol Beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. I love it. I love it. Next question. You say that the Jewish soul is not better than the non-Jewish soul. It's different. A different antenna. I could see why it can be misinterpreted by Jews and non-Jews who come to the conclusion that it actually is better. Jews are better and superior. I'm grappling with how to understand the difference and what it all means. No, it's a very important comment that you make. And I'm going, to, I'm going to refer you to the basics of Amunah. We have an Amunah series, and there should be a class there, I don't know, around number 13, 14, that zip code, about Jewish chosenness, what it really means. Because this type of chosenness really makes you much more humble. What is Dalte Rebbe saying here? When you get Saiv of Kalalman, Hashem Ewelkim, Einaid Movada, there's no ego. So what does it mean the Jews were chosen? They were chosen to represent the truth that they don't exist. (laughs) You get it? So therefore, this type of chosenness makes you far, far more humble. And if it's coming out in terms of superiority feelings and pompousness and arrogance and I get to exploit you, then you miss the point of Atav Echertanu, you have chosen us. And I think throughout history, for the most part, I think it's fair to say objectively, I know that I'm Jewish, but I think it's fair to say that not, not always, but for the most part, the way Jews have perceived their chosenness was as a calling and as a responsibility to help people, to use their talents and resources and gifts to enhance civilization, to lift up society, to be there for the needy, to help those who, are under, who did not have certain privileges. I think that's how they always and still continue to perceive it. So it's a blessing to humanity, not a curse to humanity. Jewish chosenness, yes, halavai, everybody would feel chosen that way to understand the responsibility. But the point here is that that there's something about the Jewish soul that is extremely sensitive to a certain dimension of creation, which makes it restless, and it's not content with mamalakalalman, it's searching for soivav. Beautiful comments, beautiful comments, Hever. Such good students. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So I'm going to wish you all a beautiful Shabbos. And uh, if there's any more questions, please ask them right now. And uh, everybody have a Halika Shabbos, a Lichtika Shabbos, a Lustika Shabbos, an uplifting Shabbos, a very inspiring Shabbos. Have a beautiful day. Sending you love and light from Rockland County, New York. Good Shabbos. Thank you. Yeah. Rabbi mentioned last week that throughout Jewish history, there's been so much oppression that the Yidden have not really been able to... Um, yes. 
you know, the app. The Goyim, yeah. 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 And now, yeah. We, we live in, we live in a different world. Uh, in the 1980s, the early 80s, the Lubavitcher Rebbe started to speak a lot about the Rambam's verdict, the Rambam's halacha and the laws of kings, that the Jews are responsible to influence all of civilization with the higher morality of the seven Noahide laws. And he asked on himself, he said, really, what you discovered is Rambam, for hundreds of years, there's no rabbinic authorities who called this, and suddenly you... And he explained, he explained that for much of our history, the oppression was so serious, it was so severe, that the most we can hope for is just retaining our own lifestyle in safety. And that itself was already a tall order. You know, don't kill us, don't expel us, don't persecute us, allow us to be Jews. Imagine for a Jew in medieval Spain to think about, right, trying to convince and influence non-Jews to observe the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach. It's like they can barely breathe as Jews. He says, today, towards the end of Gullahs, God has placed the Jewish people in a unique position, and we shouldn't take it for granted, that the world looks up to the Jewish people and asks them consciously and unconsciously to be a voice, a voice for family, integrity, a voice for justice, a voice for kindness, a voice for morality, a voice for common sense, a voice for spiritual clarity, a voice for love, a voice for goodness. This, this is the climate we live in. We see today Rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the unforgettable Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of blessed memory, loved saying, I heard from him quite a few times, you know, from all of his journeys and, and travels and relationships with with, with bishops and cardinals and priests and, and the academia and Great Britain and, and the royal, the royal family, you know, Prince Charles and everybody else. You know, he was well connected. And he would say that he learned from all of these decades of experience, and I quote him almost verbatim, I think, that the non-Jewish world respects Jews who respect Judaism. They are embarrassed by Jews who are embarrassed by Judaism. And the point here is that when we appreciate that, we realize not only should we not be embarrassed by Judaism, but we should furthermore take the Judaism and use it as a springboard, as a launching pad, to be able to help others find their own unique spiritual calling. And any Jew who is involved in this type of work sees Tremendous feedback. I have had the opportunity to speak to non-Jewish audiences at different occasions. And I can't tell you the, I would say, the ecstatic feedback I received. And you'll forgive me, you give good feedback, but much more than Jews. You know, Jews are more reserved. I was one speaking, I'll never forget, it was Martin Luther King Day. And I was invited by the late Rabbi Avram Leader, who had who headed uh, an organization called Ahavas Chesed in Brooklyn to help people, you know, give them lifts to hospitals and, and help people who were being admitted into hospitals and helping poor people and sick people. He was a walking institution of kindness. Some of you remember Avram Leader. He just passed away. Special, special man. And he called me up one day. He was an Israeli who came to America, so he had a broken English a little bit. 
And he, Rabbi Jacobson, uh, Martin, he couldn't even say Martin Luther King, whatever, they're having King's County Hospital. Come speak. Okay, I came. The whole staff of the hospital came, doctors and nurses and administrators. Everybody was there, a few hundred people, and probably 90% African-Americans, African-American holy brothers and sisters. And I spoke. And I spoke about these ideas, you know, our calling, our 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 human calling. Our, uh, and I, I understood, and I really think this is the point, and I shared this in the past, we were chosen to teach everybody that they were chosen. We were chosen to teach the world that every person was chosen in their own unique way. That's what we were chosen for. And, uh, and, and that idea inspired me in my talk to them. And I can't tell you the, the, the feedback was incredible. They were so happy and I have to tell you, as I'm talking, some of them, some of the, the ladies there in Kings County were like, Amen, Rabbi. Go, Rabbi, you go. Hallelujah. Yeah, Rabbi. You don't see such, uh, uh, like in the Baptist, the Baptist churches, you don't see such ecstasy by Jews, you know, especially the Ashkenazim. We're cerebral. We think we're intellectual. We, I don't ever say, I say that with Jew, Jewish audiences, right? And, uh, you know, uh, you get shkoyach, shkoyach, shkoyach. I was never at a lecture with Jews, and they're like, yay, gewaltig, that's awesome, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's like, this guy needs to be medicated. <laughs> we don't even dare to do that. We have a hard time with spontaneity. We're a little uptight. You know, Gullus has gotten to us. Uh, we don't know how to dance. You have to learn how to dance, to learn how to be free. So I see, I see this really. So, so this is what the Rebbe said in the early 80s, that we're living in a time when Jews are coming into contact with non-Jews constantly. They're partners with non-Jews. They're doing business with them. They're traveling with them. They're meeting them. So he says, you're spending hours a day meeting people. You're sitting at board meetings. You're friendly. You're connecting. You're doing all types of deals and transactions together. Can't you use the opportunity to be able to be a yid and give them also the gift of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noyach. If you're telling me you're segregated, you're living on a hilltop somewhere uh, meditating and singing hallelujah, okay, maybe that's your mission. But but there's, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of Jews who are entrenched in the world of business and in other forms of of, of life which bring them into constant daily contact with wonderful people, Jews and non-Jews alike. Everybody knows this, including in our community. And there's very successful Jews who have built strong alliances and are constantly involved with non-Jews. He has used the opportunity to talk about the values, to talk about Hashem, to talk about Sheva Mitzvah to talk about to talk about Amuna, to talk about morality. Use the opportunity because it has it has an it has influence. He once told publicly, the Rebbe once told publicly a story about it. He didn't say a name. It was a man, David Chase. David Chase was a business tycoon in New Jersey and Connecticut. He passed away recently. He was a survivor. He was a survivor, and he had a, he owned a private yacht. The Rebbe told the story publicly at Aleph Nissen, I think eighty three, 
I was there. I think it was 83. And uh, he was on a private yacht, on his yacht. And uh, at some point he turned to the captain. He went to the captain and he asked him, which way is east? It's before they had the phones that showed you, you know, the compass. So the captain calculated and told him, told him. And then he so he went, he went and he did what he had to do. So the captain said, why do you have to know where east is? So he says, because I had to have a mincha and I needed to know. He said, what's that? So he explained to him that he prays to God three times a day and uh, he needed to know where east is because we pray towards the direction of, uh, of Jerusalem. And the next time they went out on the yacht, the captain told him that he was so inspired <laughs> that he had a family uh, event, his whole family, and he told him the story. And he said, we also have to start praying every day to God and thanking God and remembering. And, and he said, look, a Jew just shared with a non-Jew that he davens mincha every day. And, and it had a tremendous influence. And the follow-up was amazing. You know, it, it created a consciousness. So he, may, he said, we don't realize, we don't realize the gift that we have and the responsibility we have to share it with the non-Jewish world. But for this, you have to be confident. You have to be loving. And you have to be aware of your place in our world. So I think these are very important ideas, especially today. It's not just Kiddush Hashem, behave like a mensch. Of course, that's the that's the the baseline, you behave like a mensch. But it's more than that. Don't only behave like a mensch. Transmit it. Influence, become a teacher. And everybody becomes a teacher in one way or another. You know? Of course, we have anti-Semites who, at this moment, are not ready. You know, they don't care what you teach and what you don't do. They, they, you know, anti-Semites are anti-Semites. But... But there are many who are not. And they respect Jews who have values and principles. And, and it's, it's, it's very moving. It's moving to see. And we have to teach them about Koyach HaPoyel Benifal. Not because it belongs to us. It belongs to them just as it belongs to us. That combination of understanding Jewish particularism and understanding Jewish universalism is something that many of us struggle with. There are those who are universalists and they have a hard time with Jews being Jews. And there are those who are very into Jews being Jews and they have a hard time with the universal quality of it. But the truth is that the two really come together. The more Jewish you are, the more universal you can be. The more you are anchored in your own Judaism, the deeper and broader and wider will be your influence to the non-Jewish world because you actually have a unique, real, authentic message to give. You know, the more authentic you are to yourself, the healthier relationships you have with the people around you. So the more Jewish we are in a very deep, authentic, confident, balanced, and uh, spiritual way, the deeper and wider and more powerful our reach and our influence on the larger world. As Rabbi Sachs said, non-Jews respect Jews who respect Judaism. And non-Jews look up to Jews who share their faith and heritage in an appropriate fashion with them. It inspires them. It speaks to them. People don't realize that people are looking for inspiration, especially today. The coronavirus, you know, kept everybody in Noah's Ark for a year. 
they're starting to emerge from hibernation. And everybody's looking for inspiration. This is a time for a national and international awakening. Not to get petty and caught up in politics and negativity and animosity. It's a time for a national awakening. And Jews have a tremendous power to inspire people in a very humble, but consistent and unwavering fashion. Yeah, that's that, Chavre. And on that note, I say, use your influence and uh, change the world. We have to teach the Goyim Chassidus, Abyssal Chassidus. <laughs> I'm serious. Listen, a major part of this Maimer, he says clearly, is relevant to Jews and non-Jews. He says clearly. It's not my Chiddush. And the Alter Rebbe was not, uh, he was steeped in, uh, needless to say, as steeped as one can get into tra- in tradition. But he's saying a major part of these ideas are pashat for non-Jews. And the truth is, the truth is that even, even, soiv of Kalalman, you can also teach to non-Jews. When he says it's not for non-Jews, he means, it's not a question of words. You can teach all of this to everybody. The question is what the soul is capable of grasping. The Jewish soul, by the fabric of its existence, is capable of, so to speak, completely becoming subsumed in atzmos, in Einoid Mulvada. It's capable of it. Somebody else could hear these words, could even understand these words, but the experience of it is one that's defined by my antennas. And that's what he's saying. There's a difference between the experience of the Nefesh Elikis and the experience of others. Rebbe mentioned that in Olam Haba is, is Mamale HaOlam. Yeah. So if, if even in Olam Haba it's Mamale HaOlam, how can we hope to um, grasp on experience uh, Sovet HaOlam? Great question. The answer is as follows, that... Olam haba is gan eidin is mamalek kalalman, but olam haba is tchias hamesim is soiv of kalalman. Gan eidin is mamale, but tchias hamesim is primarily soiv. That's number one. Number two, when we speak about mamale, it's an issue of perspective, meaning the same thing could be mamale from one perspective, but when you see it through the prism of soiv then Mamali and Saiv have become one. And that's what he's saying. You could look at the world and see Elikim, which is amazing. You could look at the world and not see anything, just see physical materialism. You could look at the world and see Elikim. And then you could look at the same world and see that Hashem Hu Elikim. So it's really the prism through which you're looking at the world. From one perspective, from one antenna, it's mamale. From a deeper place of consciousness, that itself is soiviv. Because remember, Hashem is not splintered, God forbid, into different gods. It's all one. Hashem echad. That's the idea. Hashem aleikenu, Hashem echad. Hashem and aleikenu are all one. That's Shema Yisrael, Hashem aleikenu, Hashem echad. It's a question of consciousness. What I'm perceiving in mamale. Ah, the Bavraham. 
look who look who sh- look who showed up on the horizon. <laughs> Okay, now we can all believe in resurrection. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was truly resurrected after COVID. Wow, okay. So. I said before, that the Medrash says when Nayak came out of the ark, he saw a new world. He didn't come back to the same world. Oilam Chadash Rai, saw a new world. So, you know, it's a very powerful observation. He didn't just get out of the ark and say, okay, let me go back. No, 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 it's a new world. You can't, of course, compare the flood to what happened, but the point is that when we're in an ark for a year, you have to be able to see a new world. You can't come back into the old world. That's what's the point, to go back to the old world. Anyway, you heard the Shia today with, with energy and matter, EMC square. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, I still didn't understand the equation, but it was, it okay. was a good attempt. <laughs> I don't know anybody who understands the equation, but uh, I'm sure there's a few people who understand it. I'm not sure Einstein himself understood it. <laughs> I was a good speculation, but it was good. It was good. <laughs> okay, Chev, have a beautiful Shabbos. Shabbos. Pleasure to see everybody. We should hear good news. We should hear good news from everybody. Freilich and Shabbos. Peaceful Shabbos. Oh, Rebetzin Rivka, you're still here. Yes, I am. Okay, I see. You You make sure to retain every last drop. I try. I try to write notes. I try to remember. But when you're my age, you don't remember everything. You think I'm a little older than <laughs> I remember everything. It's all in the right place because brothers keep me when I know come back. Yeah, yeah, the soul remembers everything. The soul remembers everything. It's Gavaldi, the Pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a privilege. It's a privilege and a pleasure to have you and all of you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Everybody's presence, everybody's presence adds a little light to the sheer. Because everybody brings their own light, you know? When you come into a room, you bring in your own light, your own energy. That's the power, right? The Gemara says in Sanhedrin that when you have ten people together, the Shechina dwells. Because you have ten people, so you have all the ten spheres together. That's like the minion. Every person brings in their own light. And all the light together creates a large uh, explosion of energy. So every person who comes really brings in their own personality and their own light and their own life and their own story. And from all of our stories together, we compose that amazing book called Zes Sefer Taldus Adam, the book of life. So thank you for every bringing in your stories and your light. Thank you for bringing it out in all of us. Amen. Thank you. Amen. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.